Hello and welcome. This is Friend Request. I'm your host, Justin Lamb, and this is episode 50 with my friend, Pam. We really run the gambit in this conversation from spirituality to childhood trauma to finding your own path and personal finance. Literally, I think cover every topic that uh, could possibly affect people. So it turned out to be a really great conversation. You guys are only hearing like half of what we actually talked about. Uh, I could talk to Pam for forever, and I hope to use this as a tool to reconnect with her um, more frequently because we have so much in common. It's a great, great, great time talking to her, and I hope you guys enjoy it as much as I did. And stick around after the episode for Ask a Therapist with our resident therapist, Jenny Helms, when she's going to answer some questions about billing and insurance. We're going to get a little technical today during that segment. But I look forward to uh, hearing, seeing, touching. I'm going to high five your beautiful faces after the episode and do not forget to rate and review the podcast while you have it open before you start driving and doing other things give us a little five star uh in the apple podcast app thanks so much enjoy the interview with pam hello hi 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 we haven't spoken in like 20 years i just want to acknowledge how strange that is Super right? long, like, we're gonna get into that for sure boy oh boy <laughs> <laughs> but i do i usually start with how i know you which we touched on right away and well i know you from high school but we yes. haven't talked since high school <laughs> really yeah like not even directly like i think i knew who you were sort of peripherally per- peripherally you know what i'm saying yeah um but yeah, I don't think we had any classes together or like, no, we, we had, had mutual friends. But... We had some, yeah, we had some mutual friends and I think like yeah. we probably found each other at like Ram's Horn or LA cafe. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you yeah, no, like we didn't hang guy out. That just like you fit into every little different. It was sort of fascinating to watch as That's like looking back on the biggest my... compliment I can get. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it was like, and you weren't even like a chameleon about it. You were just sort of like, this puzzle piece that kind of fit in without changing who you were, which I always respected because there's a lot of pressure in a high school period. So yeah. like, Oh yeah. Being yeah. able to just sort of like, I don't know, you seemed like unabashedly yourself. It was refreshing. Yeah. I pride myself on adaptability. Um, yeah. especially yeah. like the first two thirds of my life. Um, yes. but, and, and yeah, surviving no, is also another word. For yeah. Me. I forget yeah. what, uh, what movie it is. <laughs> Which is funny because I've quoted this so many times and I've never forgotten what movie it is. What's wrong with me? Um, <laughs> no, someone calls themselves like a, a tribe mingler or something where they can. Oh, just, wow. And I was like, yeah, that. That's what I did. I love that. Um, yeah. Because, yeah, no, I mean, I, I felt that way. I was in a punk band and then I'd go like to parties with all the, the jocks and shit. And, right. And, like, it was, right. Yeah. It was and a good not time. be bullied to death. It's like, that's impressive. Yeah. I mean, that's my sole focus in high school was my social life and that's that showed in my grades damn it Um, but it was yeah it was good times but we uh, um we didn't we didn't really hang out i think i have were you in band i was that's what played the tuba yeah because you hung out with some of the same band people i did i think yes i look forward to circling back to that um okay but yeah, so we haven't we haven't really talked uh, since high school. Uh, I mean, I've I've talked to you like business wise. I got some of your coasters, and yeah. um, I always anybody that's doing anything creative, I always try to follow and, and yeah. support. So that was exciting, and I'm I love that excited to talk about that more. But I want to yeah. go back in time. 
uh, to okay. you're born. <laughs> uh, were you, did you, were you born in Michigan? I wasn't. I was born in Colorado. Ooh. Boulder, Colorado. Yeah, which sounds exotic, being from Michigan, like in Colorado. Um, it's so beautiful. But yeah, out I was, there. it's so beautiful. And the place where I was born, I think it's kind of an interesting, just a, a thought in the back of my mind that how you enter the world has something to do with your personality. Because, like, for example, my brother was born in a hospital. It was really cold in the room, my mom remembers, and he had the cord wrapped around his neck. Mm. And there were like tons of doctors and nurses. And I don't know, the story gets a little <laughs> dramatic as we get older. So, yeah. um, but he is such an anxious person. Like his first word was like Tom Brokaw, you know, like he loved Dateline. <laughs> he loved fairness. He loved the news, you know, but like I was born in like a hippie burying center. Like my mom had me on like an oak bed, you know. <laughs> My dad comes up to hold me and he's like, should I have like a, like a gown on or, you know, the guy's like, well, I mean, you're going to have to hold her eventually without one. So you want to just give it a shot? And he was like, oh yeah, this is way, this is way easier than the other one. I'm like, what the fuck? So, um, I'm much more chill and, uh, yeah. So your brother's I mean, older. Was, yeah. How much older is your brother? 14 months. Oh, not that long. We were close. Yeah. Yeah. Close in age. Do you have another sibling, or is it just your brother? It's just Justin and I. Justin? His name is Justin? Justin. Oh, His man. name is Justin. Oh, this my is going to be real confusing for you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so how long were you in Colorado before you moved? Six months or so. Oh, not long yeah. at all. Not long They're at like, all. We my moved out there just to have you. <laughs> just to have me, and then boop, back we go. Um, my parents actually lived in Michigan beforehand, but my dad was a sprinkler fitter. Which, no, it does not mean he installs sprinkling systems on lawns. It's fire protection. Okay. So, like, yeah, that was the question. I'm like, what did he do in the wintertime? Well, so anyhow. Um, he lets buildings he, burn down. That's I terrible. guess he, you know, lets lawns, you know, they doesn't need water. What? <laughs> so, he, um, my mom packed up our entire house in Michigan and moved my brother and I, she was pregnant with me at the time. So, like. She's in Michigan by herself. My dad traveled all over the all over the country for uh, work. Okay. So he was in California at the time, and they were going to meet in Colorado for his next gig. So she like packed up our entire house, you know, like six months pregnant with me. She's got this little one year old, you know, like wow. Yeah. She was just such a badass. So uh, yeah, I don't know how she did it, but she moved our entire house out there. My dad was just like. I mean, not chilling, you know, he was working, but... But then, like, a year later, they packed everything up again? Yeah. <laughs> well, because we had to go wherever the work was. Ah. And my mom, she was just, like, you know, a homemaker. She, like... Okay. Her main gig was just watching us, and that makes it sound like that's all she did, but she... You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. that was her main gig. So, did they come back to Michigan, was. then, from Colorado? Mm -hmm. And then you're in Michigan? To Ferndale. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, what it, so, your dad still stayed with sprinklers, though? fitting yeah sprinklers. he did mm -hmm. okay his entire career was was fitting sprinkles was he always but, on the road yeah. a lot traveling like throughout yeah, your childhood first, like i mean i don't really remember a ton of memories with him just sort of like intermittently when he would come home and at the time he was sort of struggling with some drinking stuff but um so my memories are sort of peppered from when i was younger yeah. But yeah, it was primarily my mom and she ran a daycare. So like all of my memories are just having people over at the house and playing. And 
Sarah's just always other kids and everything. Yeah. 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 Um, what is, what's your relationship like with your brother? You said you guys are close. Do you remember like as kids being, we were very close close as kids. Um, there were a couple of turning points for us. I was just kind of like, I don't, I was a weird child. Like I, I wanted, he'd taken something from me and you know, we were really close at the time and, I mean, you know, four or five years old, and I was like, no, no, but I want it back. And he was like, yeah, yeah, just a second. And I was like, no. And I bit him really hard, and my mom was just like, you need to go to your room. And I was like, fair enough. And I left. But, like, <laughs> since then, it's never really been the same with us, you know? Like, he's always kind of just, like, kept me. No, we were close in high school, but um, it just kind of shifted, you know, when it was cool to, like, be – cruel to your sibling you know yeah. what i mean like oh yeah. this one you know what i mean like oh yeah well we went on a bike ride yesterday and we were friends what the fuck you know so <laughs> so did you yeah. other than hanging out with your brother do you have a group of friends in elementary and middle school and stuff that you were close with or yeah i think once i moved out here it was just really disorienting because like you know in ferndale i had we walked to my kindergarten, like everything was really close. We had all these kids over because of the daycare. Um, so moving to Clarkson was a little like, it was How old were you, you know? when you moved? I was six. Oh, okay. So right. Like, yeah, yeah. You were just yeah. kind of in school for the first time around there. Right. Yeah. First grade. Yeah. First grade. So, um, but yeah, I feel like I, I met, I'm not even sure the timeline of when, but there was like, Amber Gilmore, Kara Pinkerton, Laura Robbins. It was like us in high school. Like that was the biggest memory of, especially of my childhood was like, um, Nikki Hoffman. Was it Hoffmeister? I don't know. Whatever. The names sound, both of those sound familiar. Yeah. So it was kind of like all of us and then up and through high school. So that's fun. Um, but yeah. So kindergarten my first grade elementary school was just like really socially awkward for me. Yeah. I really loved spandex. I didn't have a lot of social cues down. You know what yeah. I mean? It was just like, yeah, it was really yeah. late 80s. Who didn't love spandex? <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? So um, hairspray. Any... <laughs> How long does your dad work where he's not around a lot? I mean, it would be for like maybe three months at a time, maybe a little bit longer. But like throughout but your entire life, like until he retires or? I would say until we got to Clarkston. And then once oh, okay. we got to Clarkston, he got a pretty consistent gig. It would go between like Detroit and Troy and, you know, okay. cities so, that were drivable. But yeah, yeah. All local stuff. Yeah. Well, that's good. So your parents, yeah. uh, I mean, was that a good environment to be in? Did they get along and everything as a kid? Um. As far as you remember? So no. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it was just a, like the moment we moved into the house in Clarkson was kind of a challenging time for everybody. But um, I don't know. I think my mom kind of regretted the space that we chose. You know, it was just, there was a lot of transition going on. So, um, but yeah, I mean, they, they thought a lot, you know, but I think it didn't seem uncommon to what my other friends were experiencing. So it wasn't like, you know. But they're still together? They are. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. A little bit of codependency there, but you hey, know. <laughs> I'm all too familiar with that. You know something, what I mean? So. Yeah, something I work on in my own relationship. <laughs> um, 
good times. <laughs> yeah. How do you get through like 40 years of marriage without a little bit of codependency? Like, yeah. I don't know how you do it. So helpful tip. Don't point out to the other person when the other person is being codependent. <laughs> not, yes. not good. Yes. Not good in the moment. Um, <laughs> there should be some top five. Like don't say calm down. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, yeah. Really, yeah. Um, <laughs> so childhood, anything remarkable? worth worth noting um i don't know how to answer that i <laughs> i don't think so i mean i just had like just like a weird start you know like i was the kid with like in kindergarten like with like 30 invisible friends and like you know like i met my great aunt gloria and she i'm coloring and she was like hi it's nice to meet you and i was like oh no no we've met you were my stepmom in a past life so i just went back to coloring and she was like what the fuck was that okay we're gonna go so should I avoid swearing? No. Okay, great. Fuck no. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. Where do you um, think that yeah. came from? I mean, I guess what's your individual belief on that? Were you like? Well, <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm kind of woo. Like I I definitely believe in like that kind of stuff. I mean, when we moved into our house in Clarkston, I found this out years later, but. Um, it was haunted. And like the first six months or so that we lived there, I was getting sick every single night. Like I, I don't know if it was the water or like whatever it was, but um, something was making me like physically ill. And then when I was like 15, my mom's like, Oh yeah, when we moved in, you know, it was like this one time that I saw a little girl ghost in the kitchen. No big deal. No, I was no like, why have we not <laughs> talked about this until just now? Like this is not okay. So um, there just kind of was like a negative vibe in the house yeah. and it's, kind of odd because as soon as they moved out you know I was living in Portland at the time they're completely different people now like they're just there's no more like dark looming cloud and like, where was this know. house at it was on Mary Sue Street um oh, it was over by off, uh, yeah off maybe yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, like right off the the graveyard I was on the graveyard side so dun 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 I know, dun. I oh. know right so <laughs> just curious um, yeah that's funny yeah Interesting. It's like we were redoing the utility room once and we found this little handprint in cement and it had like Megan 1959 or 60 or something. And it was just like, that's the little girl, you know, like that's, yeah. of course. So, but I'm also really suggestible when it comes to spirits. I'm just like, it's obviously a ghost. They're like, it's the door. Like it made a sound. It's a door, you know? Yeah. Well, I wonder, and like a lot of this question is, is projecting, but <laughs> I wonder... <laughs> how many of the memories uh some of the stuff you've mentioned like your great aunt and you being like oh no yeah. i haven't met you before like stuff like that um how many of your childhood memories around that time because you're only like six when you move out there right. um are created from family members telling you these stories over the years and like that you yeah, can right. really remember yourself right the Gloria story, I remember myself because I remember being just so sure of it and being like, thinking after the fact, like, what the fuck was that? Like, why? Huh. You know, I've never said anything like that before. But um, I've also had spirits in my regular life that have visited me. So it didn't seem odd to me because it's something that I, you know, yeah. something that I kind of go through. Okay. normally yeah so. that's why i asked too i like what yeah. your individual belief is on that so yeah um so when i say is there any like anything remarkable about mentioning as far as childhood goes like is there any 
30 moment that you come back to once in a while and they're like, that's why I'm this way, or that's why I do things this way because of that moment or anything like that. I would say, I mean, <laughs> Uh-oh. yeah, kind of. I mean, there was like a period of time and like, um, I was sexually molested for three years oh, from wow. the time I was 10 until I was 13 by a family member. Sorry to hear that. Not living in Michigan. I mean, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. So I think like, it's like you make sense of something with your child mind, you know, like the way yeah. that we understand relationships and love and attraction at the age of 10 to 13. It's like, oh, okay, they wanted this because of this reason, you know, but like knowing yeah. as an adult that it has nothing to do with, with sex at all. It's just about power and taking power back. And, yeah. you know, I think a lot of the experience I had, I made peace with largely because i think the person also had experienced abuse so that's typically how that yeah hurt, hurt people hurt people right yeah right. so but i definitely think that like some of my philosophy was like it stopped happening once i started gaining weight so i associated like oh this is attraction yeah so the only way to keep myself safe from this kind of attraction yeah. is to put a physical buffer between myself and the person or, you know, the world or whatever. That's like so, hugely common, unfortunately. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. yeah. And that was only like a really recent, like, bing. Yeah. So um, Did you, at the time it just felt like this is the best thing I can do. Yeah. I can just like make myself. Did you go to see anybody about that? Did any adults in your life know or anything? No, they didn't know until I was like. Uh, probably in my 20s, yeah. my mom was just like, wow, when you really don't want someone to know something, you don't want them to know. Oh, it. Yeah. And I like, <laughs> I mean, I didn't even really realize that I had this pattern of like, I got into therapy when I moved to Portland and <laughs> I had a, a therapist that was just amazing. And she'd ask me a question and I'd be like, yeah. So, I mean, but like, how was your day? And she's like, okay. <laughs> Listen, I get yeah. that you don't want to talk about this, but I really think if we can, I was like, I yeah. don't know what you're talking about. Like, I had no idea that I would change the subject. So, yeah, um, I was, but yeah, I, I was just going to say, like, I mean, I was sexually abused at 11 by an uh, older kid and didn't tell anybody for 20 years Yeah, until I yeah. told my therapist, like whatever, six years ago. And wow. she's, uh, yeah. I didn't even know it was abuse until I talked to her and she's yeah. like, Justin, that's like, that's sexual abuse. Right. <laughs> um, I think the way that it showed up for us was I would experience sort of like random fits of rage. I mean, I would just get really upset and I wouldn't really be able to know why. And now looking back, of course, I see it as like PTSD. It would follow stages of like numbness. Yeah. I mean, I think anyone that experiences trauma in general, it's like you have days where you can talk about it and be like, this is something that happened to me. And you feel very removed from it and yeah. very separate. And then other days when it feels like, like it's this thing that you're just going to sob through, you know? So yeah. um, I was just trying to get her to understand that it had nothing to do with her. And that it was just something I needed to work on. And it felt like the best time to tell her, like, listen, this is not going to be, it's just going to be this thing that happens to us from time to time. Yeah. Or I'm just going to experience this and this is going to be why. And she was just like, thank you for telling me. You know, she was very like respectful and very supportive and, yeah, um, it only makes sense. You mentioned just like days you can just talk about it, no big deal. Because I mean, as a child, you just dissociate. 
So like, oh, yeah. that's, that's oh, yeah. your reaction to it, even as an adult, until you retrain right. that behavior. I mean, right. you're just going to dissociate. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Exactly. And I grew up a Baptist, so our whole family was. And so the relative would tell me like, that if I told anyone I was going to hell, so it was yeah. like, so add, oh add a God. new level of shame onto yeah, that. I mean, yeah. Let's just like layered on. Yeah. So, um, so I just carried on this like guilt and this like shame exactly for yeah. I so long that it felt uncomfortable almost to get rid of it, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. That'll, that'll fuck yeah. with you for yeah a long time you know what i mean and like even like the relationships that i formed afterwards it was very like oh is this wait are we how do we do like a normal you know yeah. normal sitch um which i think i'm still working on oh yeah so. that's a it's a tough thing to struggle because i mean when you uh and we can change subject whenever i'm sorry whatever. Yeah. uh but I, it's it's funny because you know sex in itself is such an intimate thing right and then right. when you add trauma into that so not only are you trying to like have normal sexual behaviors with your partner, but then you're like also trying to have normal reactions and uh, right. to those same sexual behaviors and right. try and to especially when the, you know, figure the out trauma happens. Sorry. Oh, I you're good. You off. No, no, no. You're good. Um, when it happens so young, it's like your first segue into, you know, so it's almost like that's, and you're like young and you're thinking, okay, this is how, relationships go not realizing in the moment that it's you know abused or that it's damaging or whatever um so it's like almost how do you get like a a baseline you know how do you get a baseline for normal when that's your first experience yeah 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 so it's, it's uh, definitely a lot of like it's messed up go ahead no that's all <laughs> it's, it's just gonna say it's it's just <laughs> fucked up it's uh it sucks that so many kids have to go through that and it really makes you like question everything about sex and you really like I mean dive deep in some therapy right or you meet like a person that's willing to like um just really treat you good you know like I had pretty much consistently been interested in and dated narcissists like you know like I don't know what it is but it's like sign me up so yeah um and then I met a guy out here in Portland that was just so kind and I just remember feeling like, I don't know how to attach to this at all, but Christ, this is so much better than any relationship I've been in in the past, you know? So it was kind of nice to be able to feel the level up, to feel like the, okay, we're going to change where the bar is. This is the new bar, you know? So, yeah. yeah. Did you uh, kind of circle and back around as time goes on throughout <laughs> school? Like, is there a coping behavior that kind of defined who you were then like for instance like people know me as the the goofy whatever <laughs> and I was always like the funny kid even before everything happened but I definitely like yeah. took the awkwardness up a notch um <laughs> and <laughs> and that's how I found like you know my people like Chad and and stuff like that so totally that worked out but that's also like that developed who I was um, yeah in my social oh, yeah. life throughout school. So I, I don't know if you had any coping mechanisms you kind of developed from that. 100%. That were part of your personality growing up. I think at first, especially like sarcasm was huge. I mean, I was kind of an asshole, yeah. I think in middle school, but um, I was, I was uh, the, the comedian. I was, you know, like humor is the fastest way to sort of flip the experience that you've had that's been negative, but also to keep people away from it. Yeah. You know, because, like, no one's going to ask you serious 
pressing questions when you are making them laugh. You know, they just sort of like, it lightens the mood. And especially being like a kid between, I was sort of the mediator for my family to begin with. So it felt like my job was to keep everything kind of like neutral, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think I forfeited a lot of my own needs and my own um, growth just to keep things like copacetic. Like it just, it was easier that way. So how long after you graduate high school do you, do you go to college immediately? No. Well, I mean, I went to OCC, but it was like, it was a lot of fun. I mean, I it I did OCC for like six years. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I probably oh, yeah. could have had like three degrees in there. Yeah. So I should own stock in OCC class. at this point. <laughs> yeah, right. Years. Yeah. Um, I took a class because like a guy I liked was in it. I was just like, yeah, that sounds great. Like, wh- I'm not gonna be a writer though. Why would I? Do- okay. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I I graduated from OCC, you know, and then got into the workforce a little bit. And then once I moved to Portland, I was like, I think I applied the week before I moved to Portland for Portland state university. So, so let's back up to you graduate and go to OCC. Are you living at home that whole time? I am. Yeah. Okay. And like a lot of friends were headed to college and it was a weird transition because it was like, they were going to actual college and like, I was going to like pretend college. Like it just felt like, dare you You know what I mean? (laughs) No, I got to stand up for OCC because a, I have two degrees from there. Uh, and, uh, it's such a, I I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to nonchalantly let you discount. Totally. And to be fair, I loved it as I was attending, but I did feel like, because I just totally, fucked off in high school like I oh yeah same my GPA was just like so pretty much other options I hadn't really thought about my future past high school like both of my parents didn't go to college yeah so it wasn't really part of our our narrative it wasn't part of like our conversation at home like good grades equals this equals this it was just sort of like you better pass this class you know what I mean like funny the similarities are hilarious just (laughs) because um I mean same. I graduated high school with a one point nine by like one exam. Mine was like a yeah, one point. Um, <laughs> it was about the same. I went to OCC immediately because I had that MEEP scholarship. Yeah. But then oh uh, I dropped out the first semester, and then I didn't go back until I was twenty eight. Yeah. Um. So, uh, like <laughs> I, I definitely, and my dad, I don't even think graduated high school. He got a GED eventually. My mom went to college yeah. like same. while I was in like elementary junior high so so it was uh yeah it was there was there was no like repercussions for me bringing home d's all the time right and and my focus was always the social aspect of it and just like which is funny looking back and like going through therapy and stuff it's like i created these safe spaces where i could actually like live because if i didn't who the fuck knows what would happen so i feel so much more confident in my past given like the realization of why i had to create the past that i that i have you know in the time that i had it so you're living at home you're going to occ your friends are going away to college was there any sort of like jealousy or resentment there that some of your friends were going to universities and stuff did you visit them often or was it just like a i guess i'll talk to you guys when you're home I, I would, it was kind of a mix of both. Yeah. Um, I remember talking, it was like a, at the time, 
Facebook was a thing that was only for people who had like an EDU email address. Yeah. And so I mentioned to a friend of mine something of like, oh, there's this new thing called Facebook. I'm interested in trying it out. And she was like, well, you don't go to a real college, so it doesn't count. I was just like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. oh, fuck, that's dings. So it, it definitely felt like when friends came home, and I'm sure it's pro projection, you know, um, that they were like, well, you know, out in the real world, because that's all you want when you're 18 is to know everything. Yeah. Um, yeah, it felt like less than, you know, yeah. even though the life that I crafted at OCC was so much more enjoyable. Like the first two years I was there, I was on the dean's list. Like I, yeah, same. you know, I got these amazing <laughs> art classes and like I was actually taking things that I really loved and really was interested in. Um, and I just didn't feel challenged in high school. And I had a learning disability. So like I grew up as a kid with something called uh, petite mal seizures. So it's sort of like um, petty mal. There's a bunch of different ways that people say it, but it's sort of like you just zone out and then friends would like tap you on the shoulder and be like, hey, and you're like, oh my God, hi, when'd you get here? Like you would just be in this soundproof yeah. little comfortable box and you couldn't really hear anything or engage with your surroundings. So, Did you have that before the abuse or do you think that developed afterwards? Um, I don't know. It's kind of a mix because I feel like a lot of it is related to trauma. Yeah. And having a dad that was an alcoholic as a child, there was a lot of... Samesies. Uh, you know yeah. what I mean? There was a lot of like slamming glasses on the door. And like, yeah. like it got to the point where I'm probably jumping around a little bit. But okay. um, when I would go to people's houses that had normative family folk and like, my dad was either a screamer or being like an asshole. And we were kind of allowed to call him out on being an asshole, you know, just like kind of the, not the whipping post, but he was, he was behaving well, or he was behaving poorly enough that it, it felt like, okay, well you deserve this, you know, yeah. like you've earned this abuse that we're, <laughs> you know, bestowing on you. So, um, that like friends, when I go to their house, they would interact with their parents. And I was just like, I feel like for most of my life, I've felt like Jane Goodall, you know, just like interesting. Okay, so primate A interacts with primate B in a way that is totally new to me. I'm just like, you, yeah. but you listen to them? That's, huh. So it was very, um, yeah, it was it's very. Funny. It's funny you point that out just because uh, out of everybody I interview, you know, people almost never realize how old would you say like you noticed other kids parents are acting different than yours do you like if you had to take I would a guess say, like middle school okay yeah because i mean mm -hmm. so many people if you ask them like oh my normal childhood and then i pushed back because like what the fuck does that mean right. Right, <laughs> and right, right. it's it's funny how many people don't recognize that their family dynamic is different than what yeah. everybody else's is and they go on for quite a quite a while before you really pinpoint that um, yeah yeah and I don't I mean I don't know when I pinpointed it I definitely looking back like found myself surrounding myself with some of the same people like my parents divorced at four like so like so I'd have some friends that were single mothers and stuff but yeah I guess that was middle school yeah not yeah elementary it was just like whatever <laughs> right well then you're like I mean developmentally you know the prefrontal cortex that doesn't even really sharpen until you're 29 to begin with so yeah, i yeah, feel yeah. like impulsiveness the way that we perceive the world um but i definitely remember feeling like this is fucked up like i remember one specific example 
I don't even know how, because I don't know that Sarah and I were friends in the high school. We were, fr- yeah. I mean, we were friendly, you know? Yeah. Um, I think I remember her most from elementary school, but I was at her house and her dad said something to her and she was like, oh, okay. And I was just like, wow, that's, that is interesting. So there's no screaming or like, right? Yeah. Oh, huh. Okay. So, but then when I got into my twenties and I had this really dear friend, um, my mom and I had a really challenging relationship in my, um, pretty much from like my mid early teens until I was like 25. So at one point I was living at home and she has a very particular way that she wants things. She comes from a trauma background. My dad comes from a trauma background yeah. and they're raising children. And I was just like, this is interesting. Like, so she, um, we had gotten into this huge fight and she was like, get your shit and get out of my house, you know? So I went to live with my friend Sarah for six months or so. And I mean, maybe less than that, but I was telling her some of the stuff that my mom and I had said, and she was like, that's abuse. Like, just so you know, like that's, you know, that's what this is. And it was just like, same, you know, like, Oh my God. Like, I just thought she was, you know, being a little mean at the time. I hadn't thought of it, like, yeah, in those terms, you know? So, um, and, like, we've worked past that, my mom and I. We're very close now. So, but at the time, it was, like, you know, yeah. like, mourning the loss of someone that you can still see. Yeah. You know? It's like, oh, okay, this feels like a body snatcher situation. Like, I don't know who you are. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck happened. But... Yeah. Yeah. So when uh you know. when did you move out from your parents' house? How old were I you? was probably like twenty three. Okay. Twenty three or 40. so like I I got kicked out. Actually I wanna say that it was pretty consistently after that. So like I went to London when I was it was like right when I had turned twenty. I got back three months later. How was London? <laughs> <sighs> London was amazing. I mean it's my dream I went vacation. over there. It's the coolest. So I went over there um, for like a study. It was like a work abroad program, not study abroad. So you'd hook up with this main hub and they had like, you know, a whole bunch of different rooms with different information. So you'd find a job that was listed or like apartments that you wanted or something. So I went with a friend and um, got a job at the Gap, which was very Americanized. It was very interesting. So, um but yeah, it was the most amazing time. I went over there feeling like, America, oh my God, like they're just such dummies. Like I didn't have any... That's how I feel about our country right now. <laughs> <laughs> I do too, but for the right reasons this time around. I yeah. feel like before I just felt like, you know, I don't know, seeing London system and hearing... We had a flatmate who was talking about her experience with sexual harassment at her job, and we were like, why don't you tell HR? And she was like, oh, that's cute. We don't have that shit here. It was just like, it was shocking to see how far behind they were with like, just like social equality and, you know, um, just even air conditioning. Like all the buildings are old. There's no way to make anything air conditioned. So our 90 degree summer, which was very odd at the time, we were just like, no, but I ended up living in St. John's Wood, which was super dope because it was like five minutes from Abbey Road. Oh, nice. So, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, we'd go sit and smoke cigarettes and watch the tourists and be like, tourists. You know what I mean? <laughs> we were such pretentious assholes. 
well, when we were 20. So. But that's awesome. I mean, I, okay, yeah. I derailed you, though. You were talking about coming that's home okay. from London. Um, and... That's okay. That was when I think things got really dark for my mom and I. Um, so I moved out around November. Remember, it was like election time. From that point on, it was just like, you know, random places, couches, apartments that were actually mine, you know. Yeah. What was it like when you were, I mean, was London your first time really out of the house? So, so not only were you experiencing another country, you were experiencing an independence you'd never had before. I mean, it was right. And like, my parents were so strict when I was in high school that like friends, parents would call my mom and be like, is Pam allowed to go to this thing? And she'd be like, yeah. And they're like, you can go. Like it was like, they were it was it was like a joke they they wouldn't even offer me pot or anything because they're like no really her mom will kill her she'll kill her um i would get home and she'd do the smell test she'd be like come here okay so it smells like cigarette smoke but it's not strong enough that it came from you it was probably someone else and it was like how did you know that you know it was terrifying so yeah i never even thought about fucking anything up in high school but uh yeah Moving to London, being 20 and being allowed to drink in a bar was just like, <sighs> it was so dope. So. Yeah, I imagine that's a, yeah, an yeah. overwhelming amount of freedom that you yeah. never experienced before. <laughs> totally. And feeling fearless. Like we would walk around the city until two in the morning and they had a pretty decent amount of crime. Yeah. Isn't you know, funny worldwide rating. Funny things you do when you're in your early 20s that like looking back, Seriously. you're like, what the fuck? fuck was i thinking right right and part of me thinks like for real like how did i survive that yeah but also um i i wonder how much of how much of my bravery was because i hadn't labeled the things that were challenging to me yet it's almost like as soon as i started naming oh i have social anxiety then it was like i can't go out i feel really socially anxious or you know what i mean yeah like it was both Freeing and limiting at the same time. I wonder too if some of the stuff uh, that you were like fine with doing, with, like without the danger factor. I have I have a bunch of theories I'm working right now in my head yeah. that interesting probably will amount to nothing. But you know I've studied so much trauma and and toxic stress stuff lately, just like in school and in all these books that I'm reading. And I gotta I gotta imagine there's an easy string you can tie to how you react to dangerous situations and like your stress response because your stress response is not normal because of the trauma you had as a child. So then right. when you're in dangerous situations where some people might get worried or run away or something, your fight right. or flight is turned down so much that you're just like, yeah, <laughs> whatever. I mean, but it I makes a bunch of like... sense for me and, and, in my 20s anyway <laughs> but i also feel like in those situations where it's dangerous or whatever the case is because of how challenging our beginnings were um that maybe we're also better at neutralizing situations so like they aren't like i i know that i can stand up to a grown-ass man screaming because yeah. i've done it you know but it's also like friends of mine that would be paralyzed in fear not knowing what to do I feel like I would have a reaction for it so it's almost like I felt like nothing could happen that was worse than I'd already experienced you know which is yeah so but I think that's also like helpful I don't know oh no for sure I mean that's been then that's been proven you know like in an emergency situation you're going to be the one that's like able to keep more cool and calm and collected 
totally. Like, save the day. Like, <laughs> like there was a time in London where um, one of our flatmates was a dumb dumb. I mean, he was just like, but I don't understand how he made it in life. But we were just like, good for you, you know. <laughs> um, so he had started the stove. And in London, they have these hot pots. It's like everywhere, every apartment has like just a, a kettle, an electric kettle. Yeah, it's tea. Um, yeah, <laughs> right. So he had had it on the stove. And when he turned the burner on to make himself some food, uh, he didn't look. Like he didn't, oh, this one means this burner. Uh, yeah, you know. So I walk into the kitchen and I was like, walk right back out to the living room. And I was like, the place is on fire. Um, and I was so calm about it that they were like, bugger, you know, like, no, but really it's on fire. Like help me find the fire extinguisher. So it was like billowing plastic smoke, you know, like, yeah. But because I was so calm, it was like, how do you, you know, Yeah. <laughs> I need to get that middle ground where like you're urgent enough that people believe you, but anyhow. So what, what makes you decide to move to Portland? Um, You're like, I need to be hipper so than would, I am Portland. <laughs> yeah. Like, I just want to like live on the West coast and get rounded vowels. Um, and I, let's, I feel like, so I had, I mean, that nervous breakdown is a little strong, but um, I hated the classes that I was taking at uh, Oakland university. That's the one. Um, I finally graduated from OCC and was like, I'm going to do real college now. And so it was almost like, um, I don't know, I'm reading this book now uh, from Martha Beck. It's the one I told you about. And she was talking about how, like, as your life goes on, like your true heading, like the place where you're thriving, the more you're not on that path, the more that your body starts to like sabotage you, you know, like you end up being really late for work all the time or like you hate, you can't just like, like getting through something feels like, you know, clawing yourself out of a well. Yeah. So just like, that's how it felt towards the end of, um, OU. And so I was crying every day for two months. Like it got to the point where like, yes. I would have a day where I wasn't crying and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> like it was just like what the f I, I couldn't catch a break you know yeah. so um my best friend jason paulson uh he jason. His, i remember jason. yeah yeah he lives here so um he and his husband had divorced and he was like moving with me i was like sold like i just i remember him asking and just being like okay but like how quickly can i make this happen so <laughs> I ended up selling my car and like getting rid of all my stuff. And I just packed a suitcase and just like, you know, nice. that was it. And you were 25? No, I was 27. Yeah. Cause oh, okay. I'd been here for a decade. Nice. So yeah. So I got into PSU when I was 27, 28. So your story with university feels very relatable. Yeah. It was very much like I got here. I hadn't been accepted to school yet. I didn't have a job. I just had this place to stay. I kind of had some money. You know, my parents were so supportive and excited that they were like, listen, we'll help a little, but like, you know, let's not make this crazy. Yeah. The day I got here, we went and volunteered at this Cascade AIDS project. It was an art auction. And so I had orientation that night, the art auction the next day, it was like hit the ground running on Monday or Tuesday of the following week. I got an interview at Starbucks and he was like hired. And I was like, can I get a vacation though? Can I just like wait? <laughs> you know, so like. Yeah. I took a week and a half off, and so 
I felt so lucky. Like so many friends had moved to similar situations and they couldn't find work and like, yeah, you know, right away. And then like within a week I found out that I'd been accepted to PSU. So everything just like lined up, you know? Yeah. That's awesome. You're in Portland. Everything is, is kind of working out right away, uh, which has got to be nice. Are you finding any sort of like newfound peace? Cause you were just going through like a a breakdown back in Michigan. I mean, it was like, everything was, it, it was an amazing experience because I got the opportunity to sort of reinvent myself in my truest form. Like I felt like all the patterns and, you know, tendencies that you'd gathered in your life that people who knew you expected these things from you. And it was really hard to sort of shake that identity, you know, like, um, I don't know. It just felt like here I could start off being my strangest self and just be accepted because especially that's kind of our, our subculture here. But um, I met so many people right away and you'd be walking in the city and they'd be like, Oh my God, Hey, the friend, like the night before. So it felt like I was not as social before I left. And then I got to this place where I had a bunch of friends right away. And it just felt like, like this had always been my home, you know? Yeah. That's a really cool feeling. Yeah. So what are the, I mean, what's the next 10 years look like in Portland? Like <laughs> what do you discover about yourself as far as school and, and what you get into and, and uh, yeah. I want to talk about your art obviously. So, yeah. I mean, where, where do those roads diverge? What does that look like? Man, it's like, I, I think looking back on my working career, it's like I've done every job that there is almost, you know, like yeah. I worked at a toy store, baby clothes, Home Goods. I worked at Starbucks, uh, the philosophy department at Portland State University, which was super dope. Um, the Portland Art Museum. And oh, yeah, I was like a nursing home care coordinator in Michigan for hearing health care. So, it, yeah. <laughs> um, so that was actually kind of a cool job. And fast forward, it sort of helps me land the job I have currently. Um, Cause it was exactly, I was doing then what I was going to be doing now. So nice. yeah, it was, it's very niche. It's yeah. Like, I was like, um, that's such a random thing to already have experience. <laughs> I know. right? So. When, when do you start doing, I mean, you, I, I'm assuming you always had an interest in art and you took art classes at OCC yeah. and, and in, in high school. And what, did, when did you start like doing stuff where you're like, I can make money off this. <laughs> Oh, man, I have been drawing since I was like, that was the thing that would chill me out the most as a child. Like I would just lose my sense of time. I would be drawing for hours and not realize it. Um, I won a contest in kindergarten. So hey, so it just kind of my Eskimo had shoelaces, which was like apparently next level. So pretty big deal. But um, <laughs> I, I had always loved it so much. It just felt like this thing that I could do where it was like this vortex where everything just felt better and everything, I don't know, it was just like, it lights you up a little. So I didn't realize it was the thing that I could do as like an income until I got into OCC and I had a class with a lady named Ann Turner. She's amazing. Um, She changed my life. She saw a drawing that I did and she was like, you could go to art school. Like you could go to the Center for Creative Studies. And I was like, I mean, that was my dream school, but I was just too afraid to try to get in. Yeah. So it's like... It's intimidating, right? 
It's intimidating. Yeah. I mean, of all the things to be rejected for, the thing that you love the most is drawing, and then like this amazing school is going to be like, fuck you, no way. Yeah. Um, so she even said something like, you could sell this for probably $1,500 at a gallery in New York. And I was just like, <laughs> like it just blew my brain open. I was like, wait a minute. You're telling me that you can make money off of this shit? So it hadn't occurred to me before that. I thought, yeah. no way am I good enough, you know? So yeah, I start sort of the last like two years or so, I start picking it up again because like I've taken some art classes, but you know, the people in your life sort of shape you and the path that you take, I think. And there's a lot of popular opinion about not making art your income, you know, because it's like, how yeah. can you survive? It's, you know, but you start believing this narrative. And so I just sort of drifted away from that course and took a more serious, you know, like public health. And I do love yeah. the the topic. I love um, talking about it. I love the information I learned, but it doesn't like, I know that what I'm doing right now, that's anytime that it isn't art, I feel depleted. I feel like exhausted, you know, like yeah. I feel like, I don't know, within the last two years. So like I started with paint by numbers like that's how I picked it up again I was like yeah and then I thought you know I, I should just make my own so I bought a ridiculous amount of acrylic paint like if, if I could go back in time I would tell myself a very different story but um <laughs> watch some YouTube tutorials the next thing I know I just couldn't stop so it was like it shifted from painting into clay modeling into resin art which was so satisfying um but then it, it came into like photorealistic work, which has always been, that was like where I was started out when I was, you know, yeah. in art school and, or at OCC taking art classes. So it felt like this like shift in my mind of like, this is what I want to do. I want to do portrait work. This is how I want to live in the world. Okay. Like how do I, <laughs> how do I make this happen? So I, I, yeah, I yeah. think I had experienced so much before that of like, what's my purpose here? What, are, what does it all mean? Like, why, how do you find out the thing that you're supposed to do, the thing that you love the most? And it was almost like I was listening so fucking hard that I couldn't hear, you know, it was like the universe is like, you should try art. And I was like, shut up. I'm listening. You please not interrupt my <laughs> listening. You know, it was just like all of these signs were happening, you know, like I think that let's just, let's just do it. Let's just get into it. Yeah. Spirit guides, the universe, whatever it is, I think that they speak to you through the people in your life that you trust. So I noticed for me that when something is a big, like, you're not getting it. We need to help you with this. We need to give you some clues. It's all start hearing the same message from like friends, from family, from yeah. my trusted confidants, you know, like, Hey, have you ever thought about doing art as a career? You know, Hey, have you ever thought about drawing? You just start a business. It was just like, yeah. huh? So it starts to like tally up, like, I should start a business. I should do this thing. Or, um, so that had always sort of been there, but I think once I got still enough and realized like, this is what it feels like when I've decided something and this is how I feel in my body. Like, okay, this is what I want to do. And it just like fell into place. Do you think there was any level of finding stability in other aspects of your life that might've encouraged you to take that leap? Like, you got a job you like a lot. You maybe your schedule. I don't know. Is have some sort of regularity. I'm guessing. I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, it was a nine to five. Totally. Uh, yeah. And I don't know what your living situation was, but like, was there a? Did you get to? Do you think you got to a level of stability where you're like, 
I kind of have this like set free time regularly now and I like where I can really pursue something I enjoy. Yeah. It felt like, okay, so we're going to back up a little bit. So I went through a bankruptcy, nice, <laughs> which was like the single best thing I have ever fucking done in my life. Like it, friends found out and they're like, I'm so sorry. It was like, no, no celebration. We're <laughs> celebrating this because this is like, I could not have lived alone before that. I had a ton of health issues um, that had sort of started accruing when I got here and I had maxed out some credit cards. And then next thing you know, you're in a situation you can't get out of and I'm spending more than I'm getting in. And it was just like, it was so dumb too, because I had just invested in some cryptocurrency and like, it went really well, really fast, but I was a dumb, dumb about it. Like I thought, surely it's not going to go past this point. So I should just, use it to supplement my income. And then I think back of like how much I'd have now had I just kept, kept it, you know, Yeah. you can't do that. So anyhow, I end up, um, I meet a lawyer and I was like, I can't do this anymore. I'm not going to survive if I have to, like, I can't be 30, whatever it is and still have fucking roommates. Like my last roommate, I had to install a camera because she was stealing my shit. You know what I mean? It was like very much, I'm ready for something new. So um, as I left his office, I was like, what's my next step? And he was like, okay, well, go home and stop paying your bills. And like, I cried the whole way home because I was just, I didn't realize how much tension I'd had in my body until I was like, oh my God, yeah. wait, like I can get groceries. This this is going to be so great. Like good groceries. I'm going to New Seasons or like Whole Foods or whatever, you know, I'm going to eat organic. This is going to be amazing. I'm going to treat myself <laughs> like what the fuck, you know? Yeah, no, so, I, I can um... relate. <laughs> yeah. We have, we have a lot so of parallels we... as you, as you talk more. <laughs> I don't, I feel like it needs to be talked about because like, I don't know, my aunt, her, personal idea of hell would be to declare bankruptcy so like i think the more that it gets some some airtime like i it's an option you know what i mean like for people who are struggling you don't have to struggle like there are so many ways that we can think of solutions without doing the things that the people before us are telling us to do so so yeah so i had all this money that was you know now mine i had this really great job that paid really well like I'm really lucky in that fact, but um, it's almost like you feel a trade-off. And I felt like this hollowness that was happening because I had sort of sold out and got this job at OHSU, which is what I wanted, you know? Yeah. But I find as the years go on, I'm getting more and more sick and I'm getting more and more depleted. And then I get so sick to the point where I can't stand up for more than five minutes at a time without feeling like I'm going to pass out. Um, Did you find I would out have to what's like, going on? Yeah, uh, bipolar depression. That'll do it. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> That'll do it. So, um, so I didn't. You know, they think like you think of depression, you think of sadness, you think of like I don't know, uh, dark things. But it really can just be like physical exhaustion yeah. and pain in your body. And I had no idea that any of the symptoms that I had were that. You know. So I finally met someone, it was like my third year of just like my couch, I had to have everything within arm's length, arm's reach, because I couldn't get up. I had to like shower sitting down. I had to like, it was a fucking disaster. Like it was 
really challenging. So um, even just walking into work, you know, like you don't, there are things that I took for granted that now I'm just like, ah, yeah. I get to walk the entire way without sitting down. This is so great. So, um, so yeah. So once I started getting help for the depression, sort of taking some medication, I really resisted the diagnosis of bipolar depression for a very long time. I thought that was like the worst thing that could yeah. actually happen to me. There's so, more stigma that we grew up with. Oh my God, right? Like I, I, there are parts of therapy where I remember actively suppressing stories and examples from my life so that they wouldn't think I was bipolar. Cause I was like, I'm not, they just, this could be confusing if yeah. I tell them this part of my life and they'll, you know, I'll just, it's better this way. So, um, eventually I get on some medications that are specific for bipolar and they work and it's just like, Oh shit. This is how, this is great. Like stable. This is really I spend a lot of time in the lows. I don't really do a lot of manic. I mean, occasionally I'll get, you know, enthusiastic and a little chatty, but like, it doesn't, yeah. I'm not like, this is my rent money. Let's go gamble. You know? So yeah, like, yeah. that's super lucky, but, um, but yeah, I, I think that's when it started realizing that like, okay, listen, there are depression is a spectrum. Bipolar depression is a spectrum. It doesn't have to be like, you know, uh, homeland, yeah. you know, like, yeah, Jesus. So great job from Claire Danes. I mean, but yeah. Well, it's funny. That's what we grow up knowing is like these extremes that we see in right. TV and movies and right. Right. Cause that's real. Yeah. What? Like romantic comedies and relationships and like how it's supposed to look like none of that is reflected yeah. in our, in our culture. So, um, so yeah, so I think art really ended up being like this thing that I had to do because if I didn't do it, it was just gonna like, that was how I was filling the cut back up, yeah. you know? So, um, I made it like a conscious thing of doing at least an hour a day. And then I got some commissions and that was when it was sort of like, Oh shit. What if this side hustle becomes like the hustle, you know? Yeah. 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 So that's been pretty much like within the last couple of years. But... That's fun. So what kind of stuff are you doing now? Project wise? Uh, right now I'm doing, um, a portrait of his mom. Actually, her name is May and it's an eighties glamour shot. Nice. It's my favorite thing nice. in the world. So <laughs> he showed me two different photos and he was like, which one are you? I was like this one. Like, how could you ask me that question? Yeah. It's like, Blue lame and like a bat, you know, with the dramat, it's just, it's the best. So, um, one of the things like that I struggle with, and you kind of, you mentioned this in a version. So I was just wondering, um, I, I struggle to do stuff that I'm not like intrinsically motivated to do. Like, uh, so one of the practices like that people recommend for fours mm -hmm. is like, set a timer for five minutes and go do that thing for that five minutes. And at the end of it, if you want to keep going, awesome. If you don't, no big deal. Uh, and that's like something I really have to do. Cause I'll like earlier today, I have today off and I was like, Oh, well I got to grout the tile in my bathroom. Cause I put in tile in my bathroom. I got to grout that. Congratulations. It's just a backsplash. It's no big deal. But I was like, <laughs> but I was like, but I also like, I want to, I have an idea for a song. So I want to go record some stuff, but then I also want to like, turn this oak wood I have in, in the garage into a picture frame or not a picture frame, but a mirror frame anyway. And, and like, I'm going through all this stuff. And a lot of times when I do that, I will just like shut down. Like instead of doing any of it, I will go like dissociate and, and 
whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and I uh, recognize this thing in you because I recognize yeah. this thing in me. That's exactly right. <laughs> so, but the the five minute rule is such a good thing to do because I'll either do nothing like I just said, or I'll like pick yeah. the one that would be considered externally as the most like productive. So like I, and that's what I did today. I was like, I'll ta- I'll grout first. Cause that needs to get done regardless. It's like my home. Yeah. Um, and you know, looking back, that was the best decision. Cause now I still have when we're, when we're done here, I still have the rest of the day. Dude, what the fuck, what the fuck I yeah. Um, like, yeah, but it's, um, it's funny. Yeah. I, that's really <laughs> interesting. Cause like measuring it based on like, do you feel like it? it's more like visual, like I can see what I've accomplished? Um, like, I enjoy you... that stuff more. Like I get more out of that as far as just like enjoyment and, and pride in my work and stuff. Like I could spend all day recording, making music and shit, and I'll probably hate it at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. Um, even if like 2,000 people are like, oh my God, this is great. I mean, like, eh, it's fine. <laughs> but I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah. yeah. But if I can like build something uh, and see that like tangible thing, I get I just get a lot yeah. more pride out of that. Um, totally. And it's difficult for me to accept that because you know, art in general, there's a lot of stuff that isn't I don't know that you can't get that out of. But it's still the process is fun, I guess. But the end product, you're like, eh. But I I, I, I sent exactly some yeah I sent some of that new, which is why I derailed this whole thing and started. No, about I'm glad you did. But. That is exactly how it feels with every single art project that I do. Every single one. I'm like, I'm a fraud. I don't even know how to draw anymore. Like, why would anybody trust me with this big project? And yeah. like, even getting started on um, the guy that I'm working with, his name is Kim. And getting started on Kim's portrait first, I couldn't even do it until like my Aunt Pam was like, so what's your progress? Send me a photo. And I was like, oh, fuck. So I got up and sketched for like six hours and was like, I've been working on this for weeks. So um, it, it's just like the process, the getting started process, yeah. it takes so long. I mean, even just setting up for myself, I'm noticing because like half of my living room is my art studio. So like I realized I have to have my pastels directly next to me. I have to have this. I have to have my tripod. I have to have everything perfect. And it takes 45 minutes. And yeah. then I'm like, oh, I'm hungry. I'm going to go make a sandwich. And then it's just like over. So, (laughs) but I also find that like, for me, I don't like finishing books because I'm not ready for them to be over. That's funny. So I like the last chapter. So I'm like, it takes me forever. So I'm noticing now that may the project I'm working on that she's more like a roommate now. Like she, I'm like, what do you want to watch? Like, what are we doing today? You know, like, I'm just kidding, but it feels like I'm not ready to like yeah. be done with her and ship her off. Cause she's just a part of my life now. Like we're close, you know? So, no, but it's like, as I get towards the end, you know, I have friends and family that aren't artists that are very supportive and they're like, it looks done, send it. And I'm like, but you don't see that the shadow on this side, it really, I mean, it comes out of nowhere. Like how could you possibly say this is ready to go? Yeah. So it feels like that's the hardest part for me is being able to like step away from something. But I almost like I've heard of this Pomodoro method where you do 25 minutes on five minutes off, 25 minutes on five minutes off or whatever. But it's almost like I have this inner child belligerent thing. that's just like, I don't want it at a time. Like it just, I need it, but I don't want to do it. So yeah, yeah, it's it it's to easy to being be like, I'm expecting this from you in 20 minutes. And you're like, done. It's, yeah. I had it done in 10. So yeah, setting your own discipline for something yes. in the in the creative realm is, is hard to do. Yeah. 
I derailed a little. No, you're good. I think you kind of brought us current actually with like talk about using this time and and I oh I I the same way I feel like I've done so much work like on myself the, during this time and yeah not like not not without the intention just because my intention in therapy and all overall is like to figure my shit out but you know <laughs> which being, is exhausting yeah, and hard sometimes so, yeah <laughs> yes but like being forced to confront things like you know, you can't go out anywhere. So yeah. I keep making Facebook live videos and then gauging my <laughs> happiness based on how many people watch them. And I was like, that doesn't <laughs> seem healthy. And so right. like addressing that early on and then right. that turning into a rabbit hole that like helped me identify a bunch of other shit, like abandonment issues yeah. and like all this other stuff that I'm like, I, I wasn't really dealing with that before. And uh, yeah. yeah, and I wouldn't have made time for that great. stuff before. Yeah. 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 And I, yeah, I don't think I would have identified that. Like I've, I've, I think everybody could use like occasional breaks from social media in general. Cause it's like yeah. super unhealthy. Um, I think, yeah. I think, Thanks. I think we've covered more than I can ever imagine. And I'm super excited. I mean, about same. It. Yeah. That's well, that's all I got. <laughs> I think that's all I have. I'm super excited. Uh, I'm it's so funny how many things are, parallel uh yeah. that i can relate to on yeah. an empathetic level <laughs> totally you. totally but i i mean it's it's fun to talk to someone that i don't know i've enjoyed this <laughs> yeah me too normally i get really anxious about things that are coming up and i think of a bunch of different examples of why i can cancel like i'm just like i have a thing that's coming up i just discovered i have malaria i'm so, <laughs> like it's just i think of anything i can do to just like not be responsible for that but like this has uh, not the entire time i'm just like monday all right awesome. like i just well that makes yeah, me happy so that's a good <laughs> yay yeah i followed through on things now so much more i quit drinking like i don't know june last year so like 16 months ago um and like I follow through on stuff so much more and it's crazy. Like I'm not directly attributing it to alcohol by any means, but sure. um, even if you have one or two beers the night before, like it's so much easier to just like ditch out on shit the next day. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's like the plasticity of the brain, you know, it's like you have this ability to, I don't know, this presence of mind to be flexible with. Yeah. My outlook on I just going to do something that I said I was going to do for yeah. like an hour or two is just like, yeah, why not just go do it? You said you were going to go do it. Yeah. You're going to get in your car and like drive five minutes and then you're going to like right. hang out with whoever. And then you're going to yeah. come home like, what? just go fucking do it. <laughs> no. Whereas previously I'd be like, no, I forgot. I have to, I don't know, go to my mom's. I like, yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm like, that's exhausting too. You know, like filling in these little fibs, like, yeah. Oh, especially when people ask you about it later, like, hey, yeah. how was your mom? I was like, yeah. it was great. Yeah. Good thing I yeah. built that narrative because my anxiety said, you better come up with the whole <laughs> fucking story. <laughs> Which is exactly what people who do, like, who uh, tell the truth. They, they give a ton of detail. That's yeah. not true. <laughs> how you know someone's lying. Yeah, that's stupid. Um, yeah. <sighs> All right. Well, that's it. Well, cool. Well, thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Uh, you should yeah. retake your Enneagram and tell me what you are because I'm so curious. I'm totally going to do that. I'm going to look it up right now. <laughs> Okie doke. I'll send you a link. I'm going to force everything on you. 
Okay. Well, thanks so <laughs> much for taking some time. And yeah, it was awesome talking to you. Yeah. All right. All right. Bye, Pam. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> All right, I am back with Jenny Helms, licensed clinical marriage family therapist. I got it right that time. And uh, I'm just going to go a little crazy here. This is not exactly one of the questions, but there were a couple questions. I mean, there's a lot of questions on like seeking out therapy itself. Um, And some of the people asked about insurance and stuff. And I just wanted to address, because you said in family sessions, uh, what does that look like, generally speaking? And obviously... Uh, hopefully everybody gets this insurance is different for everybody. Some people don't have it. Sometimes it's not covered. Sometimes other stuff's like, there's obviously a plethora of differences in insurance, but how does that work from a couples or family like perspective, um, as far as seeking out a therapist and like having that covered, like who gets charged? Is it, are you like covering it for three people because it's like mom, dad, and a kid? Or is it like just going on the one of the parents? Or is it, if it's couples, is it going on one of the people's instead of both? Like, how does that work as a therapist? Like, mm-hmm. how would you go about doing that? So, like you said, I <laughs> wish I could give a yeah. <laughs> great, clear answer to this, but every insurance company is different. What we found is with the insurance companies that do accept family and couple sessions as a legitimate medical need, they typically will still need a diagnosis with one part of the family system. Um, That's not just what they call a relational code, but it has to be like a genuine medical need diagnosis. So you couldn't just be doing family therapy for family therapy's sake. It has to be working towards healing that specific diagnosis. So like for me, eating disorders, you know, anorexia nervosa, like it would still go coded as treatment for the eating disorder. Because we do know that family therapy is very helpful in the research, um, especially for young people struggling with eating disorders. Now, insurance companies, what has been interesting is they actually will pay less for, because you code it differently for family sessions and couple sessions, which blows my mind because if any therapist that has actually worked with these systems, working with a system is, I want to say it's amazing. I love the work, but it takes a lot of energy. So the fact that like doing that work, you get less of a payout is just, it's fascinating. I don't know why they're determining that it doesn't deserve the same payout, but um, but yeah, but you can do it. There's there's a different code for it. It will typically pay out a little less and there still needs to be medical necessity. There still needs to be that diagnosis. And it's typically whoever is diagnosed with that medical yeah. necessity. Code could, that be, that. could that be something as simple as like general anxiety disorder? Yep. General okay. anxiety disorder. Yep. Okay. Absolutely. Um, So when I say medical necessity, I know people think it usually has to be like a medical thing, but if it is a diagnosable mental health disorder, then that would be medical necessity. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you. And I will talk to you again soon. All 
right, you just listened to episode 50, my interview with Pam, and a little Q&A with our resident therapist, Jenny Helms. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving, and Christmas is right around the corner. Remember, if you're thinking about doing a dry January, or you just want to try non-alcoholic beers that are not, you know, Heineken Zero Zero, which is actually pretty decent, and uh, but what, like Odules and crap, there are craft breweries out there that are doing some amazing things with non-alcoholic beer. Included in that list is Bravis Brewing which you can use code FRIENDREQUEST and get 10% off your order there. Try their peanut butter stout, or as I mentioned before, uh, keep a lookout for their bourbon barrel-aged maple stout. I had it for Christmas last year. They better do it again. If they don't, I'm not going to do anything. I might message them on Instagram. That's the extent of how far I'll go with that. But uh, thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast and sending your feedback, and I love, love it. Seriously, the messages you guys send me fuel me. It gives me fuel to go on. So please keep that coming. Any feedback you have, um, I'm even open to constructive feedback. That's right. Let's let's peel back that vulnerability. And I will talk to you guys next week for another exciting interview. I love you. Take care. Enjoy December.